This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Mike, And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And now it's time to get an artist's perspective, because Name Three Songs wouldn't be here without the music. And today, we have a very special guest for y'all, and one that has actually been requested by some of our listeners. So we're very excited to be bringing this episode to you. I know, today is really exciting, and is a more positive journey on the Name Three Song podcast, because today's guest has luckily surrounded themselves with people that really believe in them, and believe in her music career, and believe in what she's doing for her community, and just everything in general. So it's really exciting to get to talk to somebody who hasn't had to face as many of the same issues with the music industry as most people have had to deal with that we talk to. So Jenna, would you like to introduce everybody to today's guest? Today we are joined by Zolita, who is an LA-based artist. She grew up in California. She went to NYU for college and she studied film. So she brings a lot of her film perspective to her music and to her music videos. Her first single, Explosions, came out in 2015 and it was about falling in love with her high school best friend. And the song went viral. And at this current moment, it has 20 million views on YouTube. So since then, Zolita has been working away, releasing multiple songs and EPs. And more recently, she's been growing her TikTok account a lot. So you may have come across her over there on TikTok. Yeah, I know that for me, at least I discovered her from her TikTok because she was promoting very heavily her very awesome song called Somebody I Fucked Once, which is an incredible, very like sapphic love story song, which led to this really awesome trilogy of songs and music videos that kind of gave women loving women relationships the Y2K rom-com romance movie that they could have only dreamed of because as we all know, gay characters were always just like side funny bits if they ever existed in a movie during that time frame so it's really awesome that she's been able to use her cinematic experience her film making experience from university to create this thing that brought so many people together and also led her to signing on to a music distribution deal that really works with her and so she's been able to surround herself not only with friends and teammates that she's picked herself but also with a label that really understands her vision and what she's doing and so it's really cool and exciting that we're going to get to talk with her today about a lot of topics that we talk about from tabloid culture to record deals to like the queer experience in music and just like what TikTok is doing in the world of music today. That's right. We got a packed episode for you guys and Zolita has an awesome perspective. So without further ado, hi Zolita. Thank you for joining us today. We're so excited to have you. 
so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So we are going to jump right into this conversation and we have a big question to start off with. So you grew up throughout tabloid culture, seeing people like Britney Spears torn apart in tabloid headlines. And at this time in the early 2000s, like being gay or being lesbian was kind of like hush hush and often referred to like in a negative light. And a lot of times there were just like rumors started about artists being gay. And a lot of this was like used to diminish their work or just like in general cause gossip for no good reason. So do you ever like remember seeing this growing up and do you feel like it affected you in any way with your feelings towards coming out? Or do you feel like maybe this pushed you to want to be even more who you are and be that representation that you didn't see growing up? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely affected the way that I viewed queer people growing up and the way that I perceived, like, being a lesbian, like, how you would be treated by the media um, and how you would be treated by society at large. I was just reading, actually, do you guys know the book by Jill Gutowitz called Girls Can Kiss Now? That sounds it's really good. It's, it's a lot of essays just on like queerness and pop culture. But I was reading an essay in there and they were talking about like in Bring It On. This is in tabloid culture, but it's kind of a similar yeah. thing. In Bring It On, Missy, that cheerleader, comes in and auditions and she does like crazy gymnastics and she's so cool and she's hot and she has the chain. So you're like kind of like, okay, yes, like she's so cool and hot. And then the head person auditioning her is like, yeah, but she's like a dyke. But she looks like a dyke. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, like, I, all those things are bad, like, she's bad, yeah. it's just the way that, like, already from, you know, yeah, just in so much, yeah, tabloid culture and, and movies and TV, just the way that queer people were spoken about definitely has such a huge imprint on you growing up, um, and definitely was, like, made, made it harder, but, of course, made me, once I, like, accepted my sexuality, made me, you know, want to embrace it even more, and, like, be kind of that person for young people. Definitely, because I feel like a lot of us grew up in that time where we were having literal, like, PSAs with, like, Hillary Duff being like, when you say gay, <laughs> do you know what that means? Yeah. <laughs> and it always comes. <laughs> my favorite things are the, like, all of the, I feel like there's been so many TikToks recently or, like, memes. It's like, remember when Hillary Duff, like, single-handedly ended homophobia? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because it was a weird time because there would be all those headlines where it's like, oh, like so-and-so caught out with like potentially a female lover or whatever the case is, like especially when like Lindsay Lohan and Samantha Ronson were dating and that was always... Like, it was always, like, gal pals, but them, it was, like, so clear it wasn't, so they had to run, like, an actual lesbian love story, and it was just so much, like, them trying to make make it evil and bad, and I just remember growing up looking at that, being like, oh, this is crazy, because even when they would write negatively about like heterosexual relationships it was never that much of trying to make one of them seem kind of evil or like a lothario in the same sort of way that they were doing with samantha ronson specifically yeah they like painted her to be so evil and then also it's like oh Lindsay, it's like you know the narrative of Lindsay lohan it's like a wild child she's being crazy running off you know that was so wild that definitely had a huge input on me too i was just talking to my girlfriend about that situation as well she was like i so vividly remember like looking at samantha ronson and lizzie lohan and like all of the tabloids being this is gross and bad and like her you know being, yeah this is gross and bad like it's so easy to you know when you're young like that is just put upon you yeah of course when we were all so impressionable and like that's the thing is like we have so much like honestly even just like homophobia like unlearning to do just because of like the culture we all grew up in but so when did you feel like there was a switch where you were like no I'm comfortable with who I am and I want to be like loud and proud about who I am Ooh, it took me it took me moving to New York 
So I grew up in a small suburb outside of Los Angeles. So you would think it was would be like super progressive, and it was in some ways. But it was like a kid. Of, uh, it was like a school of two thousand kids, and uh, there's probably like one out lesbian and one out gay guy. And it was still like like the word lesbian was definitely like used as a slur like against other girls. So yeah, I, I kind of I realized that I was gay towards like the end of high school. It took me a long time to figure it out. Um, and once I did and like knew that I was, I already knew that I was going to NYU and I was like, well, everyone's gay there. So I'm just going to wait and like make it a little easier on myself. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think about like, if I would have fallen for somebody, like if I would have fallen for a girl in high school, I'm sure I would have ended up coming out in high school, but I didn't. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to wait. And once I was in New York and just had, I think it took me like, having a community of queer people around me that like were uplifting me as well and making me feel like comfortable to be myself and making it feel like oh this is like it's like awesome to be gay it's it's so like it's inspiring it's creative it's like it's such an incredible community to be part of and I think once I had that community around me uplifting me it made me feel like really confident in my identity and that I think was a switch for me of like oh I want to be like I want to be really glad and proud about this and I think it's an awesome part of myself and I want to share it with people. I think that's really incredible, especially because when you started making your music, there weren't a lot of like out and proud artists, especially doing yeah. pop music, because it was just like such a no, no to do that. Because I mean, a lot of times labels will kind of be like, oh, if you if you come out and you're trying to like sell this specific type of music, people are going to like turn their backs on you. People are not going to accept you for who you are. And I feel like there's mm-hmm. been other artists that we've talked to you Sizzy Rocket we recently we recently spoke with and she spoke yeah. about that and I mean I feel like even like Lindsay Lohan who was like both an actress and also like singing pop music like I feel like that really changed her career once everybody realized like oh she's bi like what's going on here mm-hmm. and like doing the whole like oh it's a phase sort of situation because it didn't fit within that box that she was supposed to belong in yeah no, definitely. I think I'm super lucky in the way that I like was so removed from the music industry when I started making music and like so removed from the label. Like I just signed this year. Like I was so I've never had anybody like telling me what was right and like what I could and couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like because I was coming up through film and I like I went, you know, I studied film at NYU and, and was surrounded by just like so many crazy, like such creative out there queer creators. I never even like thought twice about putting myself out there as a queer artist and like and making making lesbian art um which yeah I feel really lucky because I feel like if I was maybe if I was in LA and I was like kind of more like coming up through the music industry I'm sure that would have been a different story you know and had more like executives or or people at like labels or companies like telling me what to do I'm sure it would have been totally it's honestly really crazy to think about, like you just said, like if you hadn't gone to NYU, like how things would have played out differently. And just like also yeah. this is very much proof that like having the community around you, not just like support, but like actually being like with people who are part of like the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community is such a different experience. And I'm sure help forms even just the way you think or like the way you think or like approach your art. Yeah. Oh my God. Community is literally everything. I My music videos like make it like pretty much kept on the same, like I have my core crew of queer creators and like best friends that I've been making them with for, for eight years. That's, um, that's honestly amazing. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so awesome. Cause it's like, it's, it's fun to all come up together and it's fun to like 
all know each other so well and all be like have this shared vision together but yeah sometimes I'm like damn I like look around and like I think I live I live in a little bit of a bubble because I have most I mean probably like 95% of my friends are in the community uh so sometimes I'm like when you're out of the community then you know and you're in like normal <laughs> real life yeah. I'm like oh yeah <laughs> damn I'm like out of the bubble yeah definitely but I like it in the bubble it's fun in here oh. <laughs> well it can be like so jarring because I feel like there definitely are certain sectors of friendship groups or even like neighborhoods or whatever the case is where you can kind of go into this kind of positive reaction loop where everybody has the yeah. same views and all that sort of thing. And then when you get rudely awakened by people who don't exist within that world, it's so weird because you're just like, wait, what do you mean? Like everybody doesn't know about like all these artists or all these people that are making positive moves forward when like everybody yeah. you hang out with is aware of that. Totally. I feel like I feel like TikTok even like yeah. continues that cycle, yeah. right? Because your algorithm becomes like that, you know, all, the only the things that you want to see. So it's like you're like, wait, you didn't this didn't come up in your feed, like for you page? What? Like so confusing. I mean, all we have to do <laughs> is look at the Supreme Court to for that <laughs> for that bubble to burst real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's so scary. Yeah, the world is a mess right now, which is why we try and yeah. have these conversations openly to just kind of remind people that, like, they're not alone. So, like, we have people to fight with <laughs> and, like, there's yeah. a reason to fight because there are so many people like yourself and, like, so many artists who are coming up right now who are being progressive and, like, showing that it you it's okay to be yourself and, like, you don't have to... Like, yeah, I mean, you have yeah. to worry about the Supreme Court, but at the same time, like the generations that are coming after us, I feel like have a lot more access to things than we did to kind of like educate oh themselves. God. Definitely. Yeah, no. And it's going to be continue to be more important than ever that artists are like are speaking their mind and, and being loud and proud about their identities. And yeah. Yeah. But no, it's it's yeah, definitely. I look at like the youth now and what they have access to and I'm like damn I'm jealous like <laughs> it's so awesome like to be able to you know at 13 years old like be on TikTok and obviously there's like so many downsides to TikTok as well for young yeah. people but I think the fact that you can like, see another like a 14 year old lesbian living their life in Iowa you know what I mean like you yeah. just can see real people like living their lives and it's not like glamorize i feel like in the same way as as we get other platforms and stuff it's just like more yeah. real like realness and authenticity is valued i think a little bit more on tiktok which yeah it's so cool for for young for people growing up right now I think yeah. that's, that's like, something that Sarah and I kind of talk about a lot, too, is it's, like, in a way, it's, like, it's amazing that people have been able to find, like, a sense of community on TikTok, you know, if they don't have that community in real life. But to a certain degree, it also kind of makes this illusion that, like, everybody thinks the same way as you. And for, like, young queer people, reality might hit kind of hard. Like, unfortunately, there are certain times where it's, like, not everyone in the real world, like, agrees with that or with them or whatever. I mean, it might be kind of, like, a slap in the face for some people who just, like, haven't had those experiences yet. But I'm also curious, since putting out, like, your first single Explosions in 2015, which is about, like, falling in love with your best friend, I mean, I'm sure you've yeah. been able to see how these conversations around, like, gender and sexuality have grown, like, so much since then. Like, I just feel oh like personally God. where we are now yeah. like the conversation around queerness is just like so far advanced from back then so like do you have any thoughts about like how this has evolved or like do you remember what it felt like back then when you were putting out this song yeah I mean I just think it's incredible how much the conversation has evolved especially around like intersectionality and gender 
But yeah, back then I feel like it was so, there just wasn't that many people making, you know, even making songs like with she pronouns in it, yeah. like a girl singing about a girl, like in general. So I feel like anything was like in and of itself, that was like, felt like a big thing to do. But now it's like, you know, like I'll hear like a, a playlist on Spotify and like I'll hear a, a girl singing about a girl and like, like, oh my God, who's this artist? And I'll click on it. And there's nothing about her being, like, that's not even part of her, you know. It's become so much more normalized, which is awesome. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm excited about, like, where the conversation has gone, obviously. It's gone so much deeper. I feel like there's also that interesting thing of people can just use whatever pronouns, like, they can tell their story through their songs without their whole image having to be their sexuality, mm-hmm. because I feel like, yeah. especially when you were coming up, there there probably was more pressure for you to feel like you needed to step into those shoes where it's like, okay, like, a queer is going to be part of, like, my musician identity rather than, mm-hmm. like, some people who are making, who have, like, started making music over the past, like, five or so years like they can just be queer in their songs without having to be like queer artists because that's the thing is like if you look back at any interview you've done since you started like it's like the headline is always like queer singer Mm -hmm. and like people don't need to do that anymore Mm -hmm. totally like yeah no I fully fully agree that it's like now it's if you're starting now like it's just not it's not even relevant really yeah but yeah but when I started putting out music like that definitely was always it was always like yeah, queer artist, lesbian artist, which I feel like a lot of other artists like would have been maybe bothered by, or some I've heard other like queer artists in the past. Like, I'm not, I don't need like that qualifier. Like, like I'm just an artist, period. Who happens to be queer? Which totally understand that. But also at the time, I was like, you know what? If this helps young queer people find my music, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Like, let let them, you yeah. know, let the the press and stuff say say that if they want to. If this like is gonna gonna help somebody find my music. I'm also just curious, like, since you have such kind of like an indie backstory to getting to where you are now, like, if when you released that song at all, did you get any, like, Katy Perry, I Kissed a Girl, like, comparisons? Oh, for Explosion? Yeah. Oh, no. No, not really. Yeah. Because I was, no, I think because I was, like, so outwardly queer already, no, I didn't know that. that's good to know I mean I'm always just curious because it's like like for example when we talked to Sizzy Rocket and she like had a song about like kissing her best friend they were like oh like Katy Perry like I kiss her you know Uh, it's like that always wanting to compare uh back to something that like was already famous when it's like no this is this is not that you know this is my own thing yeah totally I feel like there's always that misconception when it comes to the media which is another topic we discuss a lot is like especially in kind of like the early 2000s sort of time frame the media just like to make everything salacious rather than kind of look into the truth of things and we're kind of seeing now like the kids who grew up reading that media and be like questioning that media now taking over journalism and kind of asking better questions or giving people the benefit of the doubt more often than not and so I feel like we're kind of entering this nice little renaissance of media where you're way more likely to be spoken to by somebody who like respects your art and understands your art and isn't going to automatically just be like oh like they're bi-curious oh they're this or that judgment on it yeah yeah definitely and I feel like just everybody in general like most people can have a, their own platform and a voice and an opinion now. So it's like, yeah, like if, if someone was to make a generalization like that, like it would be like, I feel like, I don't know, taken down so much quicker or just like talked about in a different way because everybody can like include their opinion now. 
you know, it's not just like the press stamping something and then like nobody can really say anything about it and you just like accept it. And I think also just like talking about how artists don't necessarily need to like label themselves as like, oh, like I'm this lesbian pop star. Oh, I'm like a gay pop star or whatever the case is. In 2017, you did an interview without magazine where you were talking about how like artists have this responsibility to be open with their listeners and that like silence on these things, like when you're not using pronouns or like you're using just like heteronormative pronouns like perpetuates like assumed heteronormativity because everybody is always like assumed straight until they're yes. decide to tell yeah. people that they're not no matter what yeah. the case may be and I feel like that conversation at this point is kind of like I been see, had yeah. like it's just like gone like doesn't even matter anymore because so many people are like so much more comfortable and confident being open but there is like this yeah. other side of the coin that because being part of the LGBTQ plus community has become so much more normalized and people are more comfortable in it that you see these artists being lauded as gay icons or people who are part of the community like look to and are like oh my god like you're everything and like we literally tried to do like a survey of our listeners to find if there were other examples in Harry Styles because I feel bad calling him out because I love him but he's like <laughs> the only clear example of somebody who's doing kind of like the bare minimum of just like running around with a flag and just yeah. openly yeah. having hetero relationships and then being like my friends know what my true story is and it's like your true story is that you date the same looking women over and over again so when it comes to this sort of idea of like people who are perceived or like outwardly read as like straight to like the general public but are lauded as kind of like a gay icon like is it better that there is that added visibility and that added safety net or is that just like another form of capitalist queerness god that's such a hard question because I definitely think I think maybe I had a more strong position on it in like 2017 yeah. definitely my opinion has like shifted so much as like there's been so much more representation yeah. I think it's important to have both I, I really think like having musicians that are so that like, I'm a lesbian I'm, I'm proud of it and you know openly speak about it and use pronouns especially in like pop music there's yeah. still not that many you know huge mainstream pop songs that are like you know using pronouns like that like I think it's so important to have that but also I don't think everybody should have to do that like I think yeah. that if you know somebody's like I just want to be an artist period and like people can like come up with their own ideas of what I'm saying about and that's for them to do but like I just that not I think that's fine too I think that there's like really there's space for both for sure my thing yeah. with Harry, just using Harry as an example because he's the most <laughs> obvious one we can pick apart, yeah. is like, my thing with him is that like, he's making a safe space out of his concerts. And like, a lot of fans will use his concerts to like, come out and like, they'll hold signs and stuff like that. Be like, my mom's in like, section 205 tell her I'm gay or whatever and it's like he's like taking the opportunity to like make it a safe and welcoming space so to me like at the end of the day that's what's most important is like even though he doesn't yeah. really do a lot yeah. of activism outside of that like his fans feel welcomed and his fans feel safe yeah absolutely and that's like a good thing no matter what obviously yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, like, that's that's the thing that's always so interesting with it. Because, like, we critique Harry a lot just because we love him very much. And, like, we try and be critical of everything that we love just, you know, for funsies. Yeah. But it's, it's always that interesting thing where 
it's like a safe space is so much more important and I feel like again it's that thing where these teenagers who are growing up in kind of like this TikTok era with their positivity feedback loops and all those things like that's all they know and so when we are critical of artists like this they're kind of like why are you being critical like why are you questioning this like it's a safe space and it's like well because growing up there have been artists who are like oh this is a safe space and then it winds up not being a safe space because not all the fans have the same viewpoints so I think like you said it's kind of like in 2017 you would have to have like stronger opinions whereas now it's kind of like okay you're not like you don't have to think negatively of people for wanting to keep that private or or to just not have that be like their main identifier yeah yeah definitely yeah it's so interesting i think it's also like you were saying like the capitalism and queerness and like you know some artists like also using it as like obviously now it's like a it's cool and it's like some artists will use it maybe and i feel like i was talking about that once with my sister and i feel like at the end of the day even if that's happening it's like visibility is still important yeah and like the visibility that that will come from stuff is more important than maybe somebody that's using queerness to yeah because most artists who the lgbtq plus community like leans on or like views as a safe space like even if they are kind of like leaning into it to get that capital gain or whatever it's not in a bad way because they're not being bad people you know what i mean because they're, yeah. they could be yeah. like there have been artists in the past who kind of like take advantage of the fact that like young girls feel safe at their concerts or whatever the case is but i feel like when it comes to this now anybody can be a queer icon just based off of being like comfortable in their sexuality so they don't feel weird wearing clothes that like quote unquote they're not supposed to or whatever the case is there's way less fear around all of that and way less like assuming that they're doing it in like a nefarious way quite Definitely. nice yeah 100% so going on the the lines of like telling your truth and like being authentically who you are and stuff you've dedicated your music and all your music videos your imagery a lot to telling your personal story as a lesbian but also being a feminist and fighting with misogyny and obviously on our podcast we do a lot of fighting misogyny ourselves but sometimes when we when we release episodes or we release certain content we're like a little bit anxious that somebody's gonna come at us and being like you're not doing this right or like you're not talking about this in the right way or like you didn't talk about xyz like you're not really a feminist all these things so I'm curious like as someone who's like an artist but also who is very public on TikTok do you ever deal with that type of feeling of like people coming for you or do you feel like it's more important just that people know you're doing your best basically (laughs) another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. 
oh my god it's like crippling sometimes (laughs) definitely (laughs) i feel that with like stuff going on in the world right now and with just like politics and and, yeah just stuff that's been happening it's been really hard i feel like for me to talk about honestly lately and like it definitely especially on tiktok like there's always like people on tiktok are vicious Mm -hmm. like people want to find anything they can to call out and to you know to like to feel important and yeah, so it's definitely like on my mind a lot. And I generally end up posting, you know, stuff anyways, but it's it's definitely something that I think about. Do you a feel lot. like for example, with so much like political stuff going on, especially this summer, like do you yeah. feel a pressure to speak out about certain things? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like huge pressure to speak speak out but then i'm like okay like me posting this like notes uh, from my notes app and then like posting a bunch of slides is that really like the way that i can help the most or is it actually like you know going out and doing something or just like donating and like telling you know i don't know it's crippling sometimes to not knowing what is the best thing and also not wanting to like be performative yeah i feel like at least from my perspective i mean like it's like a way different platform and like a way different situation but it's just that thing of like as a singular human it's like i personally would want to share like links and all that sort of stuff to be like this is how you can help because that's just like who i am and who i've been raised to be and so it's like when the supreme court announcement of like turning back roe v wade came out like straight away on our name three songs account like i went and just posted a bunch of stories with like resources because i just was like this is all i know how to do and like for something like that where it affects actually me i'm like okay this is something that nobody can really tell me i'm doing wrong because i know Mm -hmm. like what to do but i feel like in other scenarios like when we've talked in the past we've done episodes about like pop artists who will do like black fishing and music and like what that's like and like all these sorts of things and like we make it very clear in our episodes like we're learning and like we're learning with you like we're not here to be like oh yes we're doctorates and everything we talk about like we are learning and we want to do that learning with our listeners and I feel like when it comes to doing stuff on TikTok and like with you being so open about like who you are and just like comfortable and confident in that like you must have like that similar thing where like the people who want to get your content understand what's happening and like where you're coming from and that like everybody's learning and nobody's perfect but because tiktok is tiktok like other people will get fed your content and they'll just be like you you did this wrong and it's like why are you a better feminist or a better lesbian than i am like that's what i don't understand and it's the the craziest thing is that like i feel like the energy that a lot of the like the lgbtq community spends on like attacking their own people or like picking apart like the way their other their peers are are doing things is like so much more than like, well, let's put our energy to where like the actual bad guys are obviously like we should you know call each other out on important things and or, in a kind way and, and teach each other yeah things. but um with you saying like teach people kindly i feel like that's so important yeah. And sometimes you do have people in the comments who are trying to do that, which can be quite nice. And you can have like a very like symbiotic relationship through that and like learn something and both sort of teach each other your own ways. And so, I mean, like for you, have you had those experiences where somebody's nicely been like, hey, there's actual other information that like you might want to know if you're going to be like this person on the Internet? I mean, maybe sometimes like I've kind of remember when I used this there was a sound that I think it was like wasn't for me like it was for I think a lot of like white creators started using it and mm-hmm. it was definitely like 
for black creators and somebody like yeah i think a few people were like kindly saying to me that and i was like oh my god yeah putting it down like not for me more recently i had an interesting thing happen which i haven't really talked about but it was i posted which i actually posted this like three years ago on TikTok, and then I talked about it again, and this, for some reason this time, it kind of like blew up and people saw like an issue mm -hmm. with it. Um, but I basically, I like showed a picture that I took in high school. I was 16 when I took this picture. It was like now like 10 years ago. So my high school photography teacher asked me to take a picture of two guys in a car mm -hmm. because I was like only taking pictures of women, and he was like, I want you to take a picture of two guys in a car. And like he expected like some kind of like Abercrombie, whatever, style picture. So I took a picture of the high school quarterback and I dressed him in drag. And then I wrapped my ex-boyfriend in cellophane and I like put them in the car with garden shears. So recently when that, like when I reposted that picture, a lot of people were coming for me and saying that it was transphobic because I was like depicting the quarterback as, I don't, people like perceived it as like he was like, a killer and I'm like I never said anywhere he was trans first of all yeah. it's like I yeah like, he dressed the court weapon I like very clearly say that and then also I don't know it was up to interpretation but I totally understand that people are talking a lot about that documentary disclosure which I still haven't seen but I'm gonna watch and yeah I think in that in that moment I was like damn like I took this picture when I was 16 yeah. years old and it was like I but I get it it's like I, I'm not gonna argue with you know, if a trans person is saying to me that this is like a harmful yeah. you know, stereotype, I took it down, you know, took the video down, obviously, so I'm like, I don't want yeah. to continue with something that's like a harmful stereotype. And I feel like that's one of those things where it's like 10 years ago, the literature and the information and like the context that we had for that was so like basically non-existent. And so it is that thing where it's like, now you have the opportunity to learn. And if people want to and can like educate kindly which a lot of people can yeah. do do especially when it comes to topics like that where it's like clearly it was a different time whatever the case is like there was less education less yeah. access to education about that like it's it's one of those things where you come away learning something and realizing like oh shit like there's this whole world or this whole idea that I just was completely that unaware I didn't of. know yeah yeah fully yeah no it's definitely definitely enlightening for sure <laughs> so i'm gonna switch gears a little bit and i'm really interested to hear your opinions on this getting into the male and female gaze of it all mm -hmm. but female pop stars have historically been very over sexualized historically very objectified in the spotlight and a lot of this objectification comes from a very heavy male gaze what's like traditionally seen as sexy and what's traditionally seen as feminine but then yourself making art like from the female gaze, but also being very like femme presenting and being very confident. Do you ever feel like you've had to deal with men kind of deciding that your art is for them and they're they like end up fetishizing it at all? Okay, surprisingly, not not real. Like n not that sticks out in my mind. And I maybe it's because I have like filtered YouTube comments <laughs> on and I like filter out any words that I don't, you know, don't want to see and stuff. But generally, yeah, of course, there'll be sometimes I'll see like a comment come through. I feel like generally my work has found the right audience, which I'm very, very grateful for. Honestly, like maybe to your credit, your storytelling has been so on point from the very beginning that like your audience found you in the very beginning and it was never like misconstrued. Yeah. Yes, totally. And I think it is maybe like that storytelling. It's not like for shock value. Like, yeah, obviously there are some these like there are very sexy scenes in my music videos, but like they are in context of like a larger story and it's not just, you know, 
can't remember to forget you by Rihanna and Shakira where they're just like grinding at each yeah. other the whole game. You know, I'm not like making videos like that. So I feel like that that can easily find obviously like male male gaze kind of audience. But yeah, I feel like maybe it's maybe it's because of the larger larger stories. But no, and I, I have my DPs as a as a woman, and most of my team is yeah all queer and female, and I think that that also just helps so much with like depicting things the way that I yeah. want and then like also the meme received yeah I imagine that has like a huge impact because like honestly you're you're kind of like the first person that we've talked to who's said these types of things because so many people if they came up through like the proper industry side like it was always men trying to control something or like too many people trying to be like no you can't do this you can't do that but also just like telling your own story from your perspective is so important and I think you've even said this in an interview before but it's like a straight man telling a lesbian love story isn't not the same thing no not the same thing and i've always said that like to me the biggest difference just in like shot composition that you can tell like if a a lesbian directs a sex scene not this not always but i feel like like a female gaze kind of sex scene versus a like super male gaze Mm -hmm. lesbian sex scene generally the ones from male gaze are like a lot of wide shots for you like literally it's almost like a science (laughs) it's like looks like it's like a diagram you know what I mean just like really wide and I feel like with my music videos what I've tried to do is just a a lot more like close-ups nuances kind of like the feeling that it feels like to you know the feeling of being with a woman like how do I depict that and not make it just like this like sexualized like scissoring for you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love you saying this because we also did a podcast episode about the female gaze and the male gaze and like how they're utilized in music and the music industry etc and how this like very filmy trope correlates yeah. to real life and music and so many other things and how kind of like the male gaze is very heterosexual straight male viewpoint of things it's very just like the letter a And then the female gaze is like B through Z and it can be anything and it's very like flowy and has layers and has like all this stuff to it. And it's about like light and composition and art and like all this stuff and like (laughs) like the the male gaze is so straightforward and it's always the same thing. Whereas like the female gaze, if you read essays about it or you watch YouTube videos about it or whatever the case is, there's always different things depending on who's talking about it. And I feel like what you were saying and what Jenna was saying about your body of work it's like so clearly just like not for men that even if men were like going out of their way to try and find some sort of like lesbian content to be like oh yes the the girls are being lesbians for us like there's no way to watch anything that you've created and be like uh, like obviously I'm not a straight man but like if I like but there'd be no way I could not imagine a straight man being like oh yes lesbians are for me like there's no way <laughs> no, fully. That's yeah, no, so accurate. I love that thing you just said about the male gaze being A and the female gaze B through Z. That's I'm gonna start saying that using that. That's amazing. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Like, I just, I feel like it's so important to realize, like, how many variables there are to the female gaze and that, like, there can be different things for different people. And because I feel like a lot of people also are like, oh, it's like a, can be a very, like, women loving women thing. And it's like, yeah, but there's also ways to view men through the female gaze. And, like, that's possible too. 100%. It's so incredible to, like, watch when female creators get to actually like direct their own work and have all the the creative control behind these things because you can like really tell the difference between like a woman telling her story 
in like even in a film format specifically and so it's just really awesome like how much of a hand you have in like your creative process and you're able to tell kind of like not just from the lyrics and the music of your songs, but from the imagery of your songs and like the way you promote them, the story has so much more meaning to it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Being able to like, yeah, craft my own story like and, and tell it authentically. And like, I don't take it for granted, that's for sure. And it's definitely awesome to like, even now, you know, now I have like a whole team around me for the first time since I started, which is so awesome. But I created a team around me that's like pretty much almost all queer and a lot of ladies and um, everybody wants to help me tell the stories that I've already been telling and just like help magnify it. And no one's telling me like that it's, you know, telling me to change it at all, which is so awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I'm also curious, like, with you having gone to, like, film school, mm-hmm. do you feel like you learned any of this in college? I mean, I don't yeah. know if they really, like, covered, like, male versus female gays, but, like, but because it's so, like, prevalent within cinematography, yeah. so I'm curious if that was something that was ever taught, or you kind of, like, learned it on your own, or, like, maybe from your friends, or, like, doing your own productions? So, honestly, I did not take, like, the easy out gen ed classes. I would, like, scour all of the schools to find like the best one, like the most interesting ones. And I had a specific gen ed class that was like in the master's program. But if you were like a senior, you could take it. And it, it was called Female Cultural Rebels in the Modern Times. Awesome. It class. sounds badass. And it was with, it was so sick. And it was with this performance artist named Karen Finley. And I feel like a lot of that, like I learned from. from That's her. amazing. Yeah. I honestly, I did. I did learn a, a lot of useful stuff at NYU. I feel like, and I did a lot of like gender studies classes too. Um, and like, geopolitics of beauty and I definitely made sure to on, you know on the other like half of my schedule was filled up with like the technical film stuff and then the other half I filled up with all of that that's so cool liberal liberal arts education yeah that's amazing yeah i feel like it's one of those things that people don't like not necessarily like think about like when they're in school or like when they have the opportunity and then later on in life they're like oh wow like this class that i took actually really like shaped my my brain into like what i learned about and you don't really realize until like years later because at the time you're just like oh yeah i'm the cool kid taking this cool class like look at me (laughs) um and then like as you grow up you're like oh wow like i really learned a lot and it helped shape me and my career whatever the case is oh my god absolutely i miss school so much and i oh i like would love to go back at some point for something we just like our podcast is just like we have a master's now in like gender studies just from doing this podcast because like (laughs) so much reading like but there was one point that you just said so just to like go back a little bit really quick and you saying how like you've had a really supportive like team around you and how you hadn't been like you didn't sign on to any record deals or just distribution deals or anything until like very recently and like obviously there's like lots of horror stories about young girls who want to do pop music sort of entering the industry without any knowledge of how the industry works getting trapped in Mm -hmm. deals like getting forced to be an artist that they don't want to be lots of just like nonsense garbage and so my question is is like since from the start of your career like you kind of started with a viral moment and you've had multiple viral moments like with the type of music that you're doing like have you ever had people who have tried to get involved like in the Zolita project who kind of act like they understand your vision and your story, but then when you've even kind of tried to give it a go, but like felt like they were trying to control the narrative and kind of 
push you into like that pop star glass box that everybody wants to put like pretty girls into who write pop music i okay i had a i had a straight white cis male manager for years and i do now but i have a lesbian i have a lesbian day-to-day manager so like that's how i could you know that's how i made that work in my head i have both i have both but this particular one that i had had for years i feel like actually he almost it was like the way that he would talk about me in meetings is I was like, oh like, yeah this is my lesbian artist like it just I I don't feel like represented well by him I was yeah. like, you I don't want you even talking about me like yeah but I feel like other than that like my whole entire just like you know collaborators that I had around me were like people that I just had handpicked so I didn't like deal with that until last year so when I had the the viral moment with somebody I fucked once mm-hmm. which with all the other like previous viral moments they just had never really translated the same like over to Spotify like the videos always did yeah. well but it didn't necessarily translate to Spotify mm-hmm. and I feel like this was the first time that I saw it really I mean it was just like a viral moment on such a larger scale yeah. than I had ever experienced and it was you know also with TikTok and Spotify and um so I had that moment that everybody always talked about they're like okay you have your viral moment and every single label is going to reach out to you and it was yeah. that like you know then those two days like every single label I've ever been like oh my god I like that's my dream like they all reached out all at once oh, wow. and I had that point like didn't have my manager anymore i was like fully solo and i took like all these meetings back to back to back with like all these anrs and like went to dinners and did all did like that whole yeah, thing yeah. and everybody is so i'm so happy that this happened when i'm like at this time of my life and yeah. when i've already been in the industry yeah. for a good amount of time because if i was younger and that happened to me holy shit i would have like gone with the first yeah. thing that you know yeah. or i would have just like the offers are so sparkly yeah. and like everything people are selling you're like we want you to have to and we like really like oh my god we see so much for yeah. this project blah blah, blah blah like we want to do this and that and that you know the advances like the yeah. number obviously the money number always sounds nice and like i'm really happy i took my sweet sweet time with like deciding and, and figuring out what i wanted to do and there's just like so many stories recently i feel like with especially people who have tiktok moments who sign like these big major deals mm-hmm. and like the minute they're set the second follow-up single like doesn't do a certain amount of streams that they wanted to do like you're canned and then yeah. you can't like release yeah. it and i also i've just like i've done everything myself for so long that i was like i can't imagine not having like i want to have my, my hand in all of these things still yeah so i took my time deciding i got a lawyer first good job and then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the, i was like i just yeah i'll decide my lawyer and then i'll do the other stuff and then i signed with awol which i'm so stoked about because it's technically still independent yeah. everything i decide everything but i have an awesome it's, it's their label so it's under sony but um i own my masters and i have an awesome team of women and queer people around me that was the other thing is like of all the meetings i took it was the only meeting that had a woman and a poc person wow. in it like all the other ones were all like white cis straight men Jesus, so immediately like, i was very like, telling <laughs> that's jarring i was like i yeah <laughs> I was like, I like it here. Like, <laughs> immediately was like, this is good. It's been such an awesome experience because it's just like, I get to do what I'm doing or what I was already doing before, just with a little bit more support yeah. um, around me. And yeah, so that's been exciting. No, that's a, that's incredible. Just for like listeners who may not be as familiar with like how AWOL works, can you like give a brief background? Like, I know you mentioned like you have 100% of your masters, but like, how does it work other than that? Like, is your team your team or are there people from AWOL who are like on your team now? Or like, how is that all that? 
laid out? Yeah, yeah. So basically, AWOL is a distro company, like first and foremost. And at the lowest, like anybody who can distribute their music through AWOL. But then they started doing like different tiers, basically. Yeah. And so the middle, like the middle tier, AWOL Plus, they can give you like $20,000 and $40,000, but you're technically not signed with them. But it's just like a little advance, basically, if they like, you know, believe in, believe in the project. And then AWOL Recordings is the higher level, and that's like the good record they will. Also, I'm not sure if that happened after they got bought by Sony or before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but basically, it's a licensing deal. Like any deal that you do with like AWOL is a licensing deal. So they don't own your masters. Like yeah. you basically license out your masters for five years, and then after those five years, or whatever amount of years you decide with them. After that, the years like full years again. So yeah, that was like a huge, yeah. hugely important thing to me. And and the other big thing is like you know obviously it's a give and take, right? For an artist like me, like who wants to like be doing all my own creative, all my videos, like they're a dream because they're like supportive in the way that I need them to be. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's kind of like having like a principal to go into, <laughs> like a principal's office yeah, to go yeah. to, where it's like okay, they know how this works, they know how this runs, like they can help me and I feel like in a way because like we've talked also like we've done an episode about kind of like record label deals how they all work like how there have been artists like Sky Ferrari and Ray and artists like that who have gotten trapped in really bad label deals and like all that sort of horror story sort of stuff because I think we talked about AWOL and I think it was Cobalt too who like do something similar yeah where... so Cobalt used to own AWOL oh, okay yeah, so then, yeah okay yeah and so we talked about how like this looks like something that could be like a really positive future for the music industry because it's like it's kind of more like they're being more transparent about the fact that like we're giving you a loan and like we believe in you and it's kind of feels a bit more comfortable getting like a loan from music industry because they can like help you more than like a bit like a bank's not gonna know how things work or like have those connections or be able to help you network or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be and so it's kind of like it's nice that the industry at least some people in the industry realized it it was broken and that there could be a way to fix this where artists in the industry once again have like a more comfortable and like confident relationship with each other 100 percent. and it's it's so cool that like a lot of mostly everyone who works at AWOL now all came from major labels and mm. they all know how fucked major labels are to the artists and like yeah. and also to like they're to the workers like my two of my main girls at AWOL they're like I literally was like just it like what was sick like it was it, yeah. it makes yeah the environment there is just like is not good. Obviously, it's not everybody's experience. That's not everybody's yeah. experience. And like, but I think with major labels, it's like the one percent, like the top one percent of their artists. That's where mostly everybody's focus are, and then the other ninety nine percent get like fucked over. Yeah. So if you're in the top one percent, it's awesome. Yeah, that it's gonna so work great. for you. You know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I feel very very lucky um with my with my team there. And my um, management that I signed with also, they uh, specialize in independent. That's amazing. In repping independent artists. And they like they used to manage Love, which he was like, yeah, yeah. one of Baywall's biggest poster, poster child. So in tandem, they all work together really nicely. Nice. Oh, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. And like the one other thing that you mentioned with kind of like the whole TikTok thing and these artists and because like we also have talked about how like TikTok's kind of created its own sort of music industry in a way because like the listeners know what they like and they know what they want and they can make things go viral and all this stuff and so there's like a lot of conversation going on there. So the the interesting thing that you mentioned that I just wanted to like touch on is the fact that like because you had like years of experience doing music prior to a 
agreeing to like this distro deal with AOL and that like you weren't just like fresh off the boat like fresh into the music industry world like you had time living in LA you had time living in New York like you kind of got to experience life a bit you wound up getting a better deal and you wound up kind of being able to have the control that you want and yet there are these younger artists or like artists who aren't from major cities or who have less knowledge or whatever the case is like having songs go viral getting picked up and then just if the next one doesn't do well because we do live in this world right now where numbers mean more than anything and so I guess like just from your perspective of somebody who's kind of been there done that like figured it out like what would be like your most important piece of advice to like these younger artists who are trying to utilize the power that TikTok gives them and then kind of get too excited by the labels calling and taking them to Nobu or whatever the case is and then being like let's sign something right now I'm promising you the world like what do you think that is important to like watch out for in that regard yeah I guess like it takes your time with it like maintain your independence as long as you can Mm -hmm. and I think for yeah for like indie artists that are having a big viral moment there's other things now out there like there's something called Indify which basically like in random just like investors will like if a song's going viral, they'll be like, okay, like for a little piece of, of it, like I'm going to give you $20,000 to like for marketing stuff to like help it really go viral. Mm-hmm. And then your deal will end up being so much better with whatever major that you end up, you know, yeah. if you want to end up going that yeah. route. There, yeah, there are like other tools at your disposal. I think just base piece of advice, like follow your intuition, like take every single call and like draw out the process and like see if people really want you you know what i mean because don't be rushed to make a decision because if somebody is forcing you to sign you know what i mean like oh you have to sign now like clearly like they don't have a vision for your future as an artist they like just want you know yeah what's happening right now so i think don't be afraid of taking your time it's not going to go away i think that was something that i was so scared of i was like I feel like this is all gonna like magically like just go yeah. away. It's like it's only here now and I have to do something yeah. else, it's gonna like disappear overnight. And it's not going to. Like the people who see the long term and longevity of your project are not going away. Yeah, it's very scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. It's like, well if I don't sign this contract, they're just gonna go find someone else. And then I'll yeah. look, like yeah. I'll and miss then, my and opportunity. And you know what? Maybe they will. Like they that that person, maybe they will find their other viral person and then they're gonna can yeah. them. Like it's though the people that are gonna like, run away to the next viral moment are not the people that you want to yeah. be anyway. Yeah, you know. absolutely. Yeah, the TikTok is good for the music industry, bad for the music industry. It's all, yep. it's all things. It's, <laughs> yeah. What's super interesting is the distribution that TikTok does is distribution deals now. Oh, wow. Yeah, they can, like, boost their songs that they want to boost, you know? That's crazy. Because they have, like, a... It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's getting, like, too much, too much... Every time you think you've beaten, like, the main villain of the music industry story, like, something else shows up that you're, like... <laughs> Yeah. Is this is this good or is this Thanos? Like I don't know. What's Literally, and like it's if I don't know if like them doing that to me feels like it's gonna ruin the magic of, of the viral moment on TikTok. It's yeah. like it's, that's it's so fun when it's like not planned and it's like oh people actually chose it. people want this yeah. you know yeah. yeah. And it's not being shoved down their throat. And I wonder with, like, that, if it would fall under the same sort of guidelines of, like, where influencers have to be, like, hashtag ad or whatever the case is. Yeah, like, if it would be, like yeah, yeah, like, if it would be something that would have to be more transparent with, like, if it's something that TikTok mm-hmm. is pushing or if they're, like, allowed to not 
show that. Yeah. I mean, they definitely don't now. Fun. So that probably will be a future conversation. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So to like end things off on a more like celebratory of your creative vision sort of thing, we I did just want to touch on like your recent trilogy of music videos because I think like what you did there in not only the songwriting, but obviously like the creative direction and all that with the videos is really incredible because you gave a lot of queer women the like ultimate Y2K rom-com love story (laughs) to enjoy, which like a lot of us who grew up in like that heyday of rom-coms, like you never got to experience that. Like, so we're so lucky now that you, we have a lot more like of the queer sort of love stories in media. And that's like not so much of something that you shy away from, or like you have to find like the right TV channel to watch it on. Cause like growing up in those rom-coms that were big deals, like if there were gay characters, like they were always like the butt of a joke or like this random side character or somebody like in Clueless, like that the girl's like pining over and then like, oh no, he's gay and it ruins their whole life. And now when we do like find these stories, they kind of become part of like the quilt of like the queer journey of trying to figure things out. And it's like, okay, like this is like a handbook that I can hand off to like my new young queer friend to like watch all of this media or whatever. <laughs> and so when you think about this body of work, like in five to 10 years from now and like think about the future and all this sort of stuff. I mean, like personally, like I feel like this will be something that people can go back to and like show their friends and be like, look at what we got during this time. Like when we could yeah. have had something else. Like, was there like a thought process behind like not only what this means now, but like what could this mean in the future as well? Definitely. I mean, I there wasn't that thought process so much when I was making yeah. it. I think when I'm whenever I'm making something, it's just because I'm like, oh my god, I'm so excited about this idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to make it just like creatively. And then when I, it's it's always when I see the responses, you know, and like when I. So when I put out the first one, yeah, which just came from a place of like me being like, I want to make something nostalgic and and like that references the rom coms that I love, but make it gay and yeah. just like and have something just like so fun and something that yeah, just something that I would have wanted. And then after I made that and saw the way that people reacted to it, then definitely there was more thought when I was making Single in September yeah. and I fucking love you because I knew like what that story meant to people already and like how it was like helping some people with their like sexual awakenings and like coming into their queerness and their identities um so there was a little bit more thought that that went into the the following too but yeah i know when i think about it now and i think about like how many i think there's just especially yeah on tiktok and on on youtube like how many people have said that that was like watching that video like it was an awakening for them yeah that's so special exciting to think about yeah it's so special and i don't sometimes it's like when you see those comments like a lot it's hard to like have them sink in in the same way so yeah sometimes when i'm like doubting myself and stuff i'm like i'll go read some comments like okay like let like let that one comment like that girl let that sink in like that's important like you're you know to make art that's like helping people feel comfy in themselves is like such a gift yeah Yeah, I remind myself of that sometimes, you know. Oh, that's amazing. I feel like the most special part of all of it is it's kind of like the first two videos are very much kind of like a normal sort of high school thing of like, oh, like you're leaving high school, like you're probably going to have to break up and like that conversation that a lot of people go through. And so getting to view that from like the queer perspective rather than just like the hetero perspective, I think was really special. But also in that, in the last video, like, 
them finding each other when they're older and like realizing like oh like this was meant to be like all that sort of stuff is really incredible because we have had the issue in media where now that like gay people are allowed to be in media there's a lot of like fridging the gays or like killing someone off or whatever the case is where like you never get the happy ending sorry this is gonna (sighs) jenna's laughing because this always winds up in me going down a rabbit hole about the tv show the magician from sci-fi channel (laughs) there is like a lot of that issue where they kind of give you that like little payoff where it's like here's your gay little treat but now we're gonna kill them and so (laughs) there's actually a happy ending is like very incredible and like very needed (laughs) yeah that was so important to me like i've talked about this like so extensively slash like um, i wrote an op-ed for the daily beast and i talked about this Mm -hmm. a lot but just like i feel like especially for like woman level woman like sapphic media it's like it always like falls into the categories of like period piece or traumatic coming out stories or someone gets killed like a killing your gaze trope and yeah so i feel like it was just so important to me to tell a happy ending story we just need it so badly yeah it's very incredible and like definitely very necessary and i think like looking through like comments when you were posting this stuff on tiktok it was just like so nice to see kind of like the collective joy of like actually getting that because like the story could have gone in so many directions like after the high school breakup where like it could have just been like you being successful and like having a new relationship or whatever the case is but having that kind of very rom-commy like meet cute redo sort of situation and like it ended happy is like so incredible yeah and it was such a fun like obviously we referenced so many like high school kind of rom-com yeah rom-coms and rom-com tropes in the first two and then for the third one to be like okay get to look at more adult rom-coms like Notting Hill and, and stuff like that that was really super fun but and also I almost when I was making the third one like my per, in my personal life my first love like that situation had kind of fallen apart and I I think because I was like in that headspace I was like for the third video I was like they're gonna they're, gonna, they're like back together and they like you know they fall apart and it's like high school love doesn't last like people need to know that like it was <laughs> Being realistic, and I writing, like... <laughs> I know, and I, I was, like, yeah, like, a realistic, like, oh, lesbians, like, try and make it last forever. Like, it's so, like, they never want to break up, and, like, but sometimes you need to know it's, like, when to call it quits. Like, I literally, that's... <laughs> That's where my personal life, that was where my head was at. And I was literally writing, I was in like a ton of sessions, like trying to shoot for what that third song would be. And I was writing sad shit, like the song that I almost chose was called Sadly in Love. And it was like falling sadly in love. And <laughs> and then I was like, had, you know, a huge moment of like, wait, what the fuck are you doing? Like, no, like, people don't want to see that right now. Like nobody wants that. Like, yeah, that give them the, so the idealistic version. So Let them have this one thing. Crush them in the next yeah. music video. <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly and also also that i was like i actually like fell super in love with with my girlfriend now so i was like at the same time of, of like that you know first love ex- like you know thing falling apart i like had this new new love experience i think that i was able to infuse that energy into you know the feeling of the third video oh my so. God. I <laughs> but yeah her, like all you... the scrapped ideas killed the gaze <laughs> And then I realized I couldn't do that. No, literally. I'm like, thank God. Everyone would have killed me. I would have been murdered for that. 
Well, I think we're very excited to see like what you continue to do and the stories you tell in your upcoming music videos as well. So I want to give a big thank you, Zilita, for joining us today. And for all of our listeners, we'll have all of the links in the description below so you can find out more and become Zilita's number one fan. So yes, thank you for joining us. Thank you guys so much for the amazing conversation. This was so fun. Yay. We loved it too. I love a good positive conversation. I know, right? It's a rarity for us. It's so nice. Like, obviously, Zelina shared some mishaps, but I feel like for a queer pop star, her career's been, like, pretty smooth sailing. She got she got away easy somehow, and I'm so excited for her for it. Which also is just proof that if you surround yourself with the right people, people are going to believe in you and want to also support you. Yeah, exactly. It's so important. And I feel like that's something that we reiterate so much in so many of our like more educational episodes of just like people just trusting the wrong people and therefore just the world imploding around them. So it's just so incredible that she was able to surround herself with such incredible people who like saw her vision and saw what she was doing and like believed in her even with the whole world being a mess at all times (sighs) was there a favorite part of this interview for you i loved that she hadn't had to deal with the male gaze very much which like has a lot to do with the community and like as she said maybe sometimes a bubble but i thought there like i thought there would have been something where she felt like somebody was judging her or like objectifying her or something so i'm actually really surprised about that yeah no that was definitely like one of the parts that i found the most interesting from this conversation too because especially with tiktok like we were saying it's like the fact that people just kind of realize it wasn't for them somehow is just like so incredible because i feel like even from like the videos I post on our TikTok always wind up on somebody's page who's trying to start a fight with me for no good reason. Like at least when people are fighting in her comments, they're just like, I actually know more about queerness than you. Like for me, they're like, actually Calvin Harris was famous before Taylor <laughs> Swift. <laughs> um, I'm like, how did you find this? <laughs> but also just goes to show that Zolita has been so on brand from the very beginning that No Mm -hmm. one was ever going to misconstrue her. Yeah, which is so incredible. So we really hope you guys enjoyed this conversation and that you enjoyed this different perspective on like very similar topics that we talk about all the time. Because again, it's just like, it's so nice to hear of a more like positive journey through the music industry because so often so many people wind up just like, even if they feel like they are doing the right thing, there's still that stupid glass box that they love to shove women into in the music industry. So it's just incredible that she got to avoid that. So if you guys have any thoughts or feelings about this episode, we would love to hear them. You can chat with us on social media. We are at name three songs on all platforms. Or if you'd like to talk to us about any of the topics we discussed today, personally, you can find us I am at Sarah underscore Fagan on Instagram and Twitter, and Jenna is at Jenna underscore Million. So thanks for joining us on this fun bonus interview episode of Name Three Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Zolita. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about Zolita, listen to her music, or give her a follow, you can do so in the description below or at our website at namethreesongs.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.